The Morning Jam with Janet Rose and Mark Lamb. It is 8.06 here on The Morning Jam. We always love to have them. Dr. Bob Denton on the line. Good morning, Dr. Bob. Good morning. Boy, all kinds of fun stuff's happened since we talked to you last, but we want to address some of these uh, these state races that are, I guess the immediate is the most important. It's coming up here pretty quickly and talk about what it's looking like for a possible Republican takeover of the uh, the House and the Senate here in Virginia. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Yes, indeed, indeed. Well, if we look at the financial reports, we certainly see that uh, the Democrats' are, money is coming in from out of state and within the state. Uh, this is going to be a kind of a marquee year, and certainly it's kind of a bellwether. People are setting up the elections that way. You know, when you get right down to it, though, uh, what's interesting is that there's only about five competitive Senate seats, about 14 House competitive races, and most of those are in the Hampton Roads and Virginia Beach area. Um, but there's no question that there's a lot of it um, at stake in terms of these fall elections. In 2017, the last time both of them were, uh, last time both the House and the Senate there was about $204 million that were spent. Hmm. Right now, we're on, this is going to be the most expensive ever. Some analysts say it may knock on the door of $300 million. I know that it looked like Democrats had an advantage in this quarter, but remember, Governor Youngkin has about 25 Some say he'll top out at about $30 million. A lot of money in the, right now going up to the election will come into the state. So this will be probably the most expensive um, elections in Virginia's history in terms of the Senate and delegates. But you're really talking about only five or Senate seats and 14 in the House, three kind of out in our broad area, South Side and Southwest Virginia. But otherwise, it's just incredible to think of the, of the money mm. that will be spent and that has been spent. Well, Cardinal News had a story earlier in the week, and, and we talked about it a little bit because they do such a great in-depth job on every story. It's hard to, it's hard to cover it in a, in a short segment, but, but they were saying that a lot of these Democrats are, are outraising the Republican uh, person in, in, you know, in the race. So there, there seems to be lots and lots of money for Democrats. There certainly is, and there will be. Um, I think that you'll... At the end of the day, I think you're going to see some pretty good parity. The money is absolutely there. Uh, last week, I was uh, at the Board of Visitors meeting at Virginia State University there in the Richmond area. And, you know, I haven't even received but one piece of mail. I haven't seen any television ads or what have you. Well, man, when I was there in Richmond, mm. I mean, <laughs> it is already full campaigns. Right. Every commercial was uh, having to do with uh, some of the races there. And, of course, we know that voting starts tomorrow, Yeah, early voting. Mm -hmm. And so it was really a shock to my system to see that, wow, there are parts within the Commonwealth, again, Hampton Roads and Virginia Beach and some of the other key races, man, they're already just full-blown in terms of advertising mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. and in the races. And so, yes, you're going to see a lot of outside additional money uh, come in on both sides, quite frankly. And that's what's going to make it one of the most expensive uh, in Virginia's history. I'm just curious, because you said, you know, they're kind of looking at us, our state is a bellwether. And if if the Republicans do, and let's say they just get squeaked by and have enough to give 
Yunka in that majority. Um, how We know that that's important, but on a national scale, how important, and will the media downplay it if it, it does go Yunkin's way? Because they don't want Yunkin to get any real good press because, you know, he's got a future in politics if he so chooses. Well, it's an interesting question um, from the standpoint that the reason is somewhat of a bellwether is before the next big election. And so what messaging worked? Is it primarily abortion or mm-hmm. is it the kitchen table kinds of issues, parental rights as well as relates to education? So it's a primer for the next year in terms of operationalizing messaging and what's effective. In terms of Governor Yunkin, it is critical because he will only, you only have, because you can't succeed Mm -hmm. yourself, he only has one budget, and that's next year. And if he's going to have some real uh, marquee kinds of things that he can point to, he's only got one more shot. Mm -hmm. But what's the big question mark here is that all these districts are different. We have all new, we cannot really have the history of predictability. Hmm. And so um, a lot of these are plus or minus 5%. And that's why, of course, he's pushing out, yes, Republicans, get out there and vote hmm. early. These are the rules we've been given. But it's for him to, even as governor, it's important. The House, it looks like it should, if we look at normal turnout predictions, the House probably might has a good odds leaning toward Republicans. The Senate, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. Mm. Um, And I don't think you would have to say now that um, it could be competitive, but there's certainly no Republican advantage in terms of the Senate. So that's the real critical in those five, some of those Senate races. That's where a lot of focus and attention. So it's important from a national standpoint in terms of, okay, what worked? What's the messaging? Is there a path? forward for Republicans as relates to Yunkin. Second, it's very important because Yunkin, if he's going to have a successful, have some marquee kind of legislation going forward, he needs control, at least parity mm-hmm. in terms of the Senate and keep the House. And from just speculation, if it happens, he's already going to be in the top five. Just discussion about, okay, is he another alternative? Because right now, DeSantis and others are not prevailing. If you look at Iowa, New Hampshire, and some of the polls there, even nationally, it is so dominated by Trump, right. 58 to 60%. And so, yeah, there would be national speculation as it relates to Yunkin. So when it comes to the presidential race, uh, Mike Pence has started talking about uh, how Republicans are going to have to face a choice. And we're hearing the term populism. Uh, versus conservatism uh, being brought up. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I have to say, and again, I'm old. <laughs> so, um, resume used to matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, your your resume, what you've done, consistency as you approach issues that would matter, and that's about your political philosophy, ideology. There are certain Your values, uh, yeah, right. Exactly, your values. It's hard to see in this kind of narcissistic cultural mess we're in. Mm. You don't see the consistency there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Pence is, look, 
I admire him greatly. I do too. I think he, I think he is a conservative, but he just will not have the traction. But in terms of someone who would be ideologically consistent, he is right. He is a genuine conservative. Right. Mitt Romney, you look at some of that. Um, excuse me, let me turn off that phone. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you're good. No problem. Um, so there is a distinction there, but it seems that this populism, not so much values, not so much consistency, cannot really articulate what you would say is um, ideologically consistent in, in terms of issues, approaches. I mean, where did this come from? Is it just a, a reflection of uh, of where our society has gone about how we, we that character doesn't seem to matter anymore? It's certainly about television, mm. top of mind awareness, uh, popularity. Mm. Um, you know, it used to be bright, shiny things. <laughs> yes, and you know, television behind that it. It started impacting who runs and who's elected. Yeah, way back in terms of really emphasis in terms of the '60s, and we Kennedy see and Nixon, how yeah. that is. There you go. It has changed politics for sure. But remember, the millennials now number one voting block, Generation Z, uh, the most vocal <laughs> uh, generation since the '60s in terms of uh, uh, national and cultural things. And so it's short-term, it's reactive rather than reflective, um, and it's just stimulus response, um, push an attitude one way in terms or the other, um, and you're susceptible to that if you don't have core belief, attitudes, and values yourself. And do I dare point a finger toward education? Well, I don't want to do that because I'll be in trouble and I'll get bad email <laughs> for the next week. But oh, you're, schools, you're a big boy. You can handle that. <laughs> yes, Lord, have mercy. But anyway, <laughs> so it goes back to what we're teaching in the public education. Right. Because for a democracy, the public has to be informed to make informed decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so critical in a democracy. Um, and we're just kind of in a cultural uh, chaos right now, it seems to me. Yeah, I agree with that. It just uh, seems to be where we are. Well, one, one, one last question. Do you think there's any traction, and will it even make a difference if this impeachment inquiry moves forward uh, with, with Biden? Do you see this becoming an issue? In other words, and I'll even give you a, a little accent question to that what gets biden out of there is it going to be this or is it just going to be his his failing capacity to do the job i think that if republicans are going to play that impeachment card they may energize the democratic base just mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. with each indictment right. in terms of trump i don't think it's is very beneficial per se i do there's a part of me that doesn't understand how in the world that Biden will run mm -hmm. or what the options are, but the clock is ticking. It's hard for me to believe with all the legal issues and troubles as is confronted by Trump, how he can be successful mm -hmm. and run. I just can't get my head around. This is our alternatives. I'm certainly intrigued by the no labels 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that there are things that we just don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. I put a seatbelt in my desk chair because <laughs> this is going to be a rough ride this fall. Oh, my <laughs> word. It, I, it is. I mean, I think I think there's some landmines out there, even oh gosh, even yeah. in our local mm-hmm. elections yeah. and uh, in the Virginia elections. Oh, we didn't ask him about the girl in Richmond. Oh, gosh. Uh, can we? Yeah. We is got, there we're any gonna, way you can hang around? Just for, just for one more question. We'll make it a short quickly. segment. The Morning Jam with Janet Rose and Mark Lamb. You'll never find. As long as you live Someone who loves you Tender like I do I have it on high authority. This is the theme song for uh, for some of our Virginia candidates in Richmond. No matter oh, pretty yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Now, Mark, you know that you've got some old video somewhere. Now, don't, don't, don't pretend like you don't. I know. He could have a political career. Used to, that would ruin your career, but not anymore. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, I feel like, I, Dr. Bob, I'm, my kids used to watch SpongeBob when they were little, and there was an episode called Opposite Day, you know, where everything was just exactly the opposite of the way it was supposed to be. I feel like that's where we are now. Well, you know, um, it was Bill Clinton who made the case that, look, what's private is private, Mm. and what is public is public, and there's a separation there. And I found that, no, not when it comes, as it relates to belief, attitudes, and values, and behavior, in terms of leadership. And I actually wrote a book encountering that Clinton argument called Moral Leadership in American Presidency. Mm. Well, who are you to talk about moral leadership? Well, look, come on. It is about the character. You don't want your minister to have, as we see some scandals, mm-hmm. living one life privately and publicly thinking because it's not genuine, it's not authentic. And so we really have a crisis in terms of that. Well, but, but this that, woman, this Susanna Gibson out of Richmond, because, you know, you made the, the case that Clinton said, you know, what's private is private. This woman is putting sex videos up to the public. I mean, pay-per-view stuff yes yes and is proud of it evidently oh oh and not only that this can be right she and as a matter of fact her quote was this won't intimidate me and won't silence me my political opponent and their republican allies have proven they're willing to commit a sex crime to attack me and my family because there's no line they won't cross to silence women when they speak up what is going on yeah it's um i and it's gonna work isn't it well, in our culture today, it might very well be the case yeah. to be defiant, mm-hmm. uh, take the other side. There is no shame. But, you know, when we look at a lot of these, it puts people into a box. Because if you come out and challenge that and say, well, I'm sorry, you have children as a parent, part of your responsibility um, we say you shouldn't have loaded guns in the house, unprotected, unlocked with children. You shouldn't be doing things like that that relates to potentially your family and uh, the exposure. I mean, I, I just it's just irresponsible. Um, but I can't fathom. But certainly, less than 20 years ago, 
that alone would have someone to get out of the race. Mm -hmm. But now it's so defiant. We see that in a lot of the political. Um, there, there's uh, just no, there's no sense of shame uh, when when something like that is done. I mean, especially in Richmond. I mean, look at Joe Morrissey. I mean, had an affair with his intern, seventeen years old. You know, she ended up. You know, while he was married, he got disbarred not once but twice, and and he's back in the assembly. Yeah, right. Yes. Well, what is? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's the cultural morass that we're in, mm -hmm. but that's the real challenge in it going forward. And the problem is, if you speak out, then you become a target. And what it does, it shuts people down. Um, I have learned that the hard way uh. Uh, through my <laughs> my many years. Uh, and certainly dealing in higher education, um, it, it, um, it can be a tough playing field for yeah. sure. Well, I know that, that there are folks like you out there, uh, Dr. Bob, and we're grateful uh, for that because it, there, there still are some, some little pockets of sanity out there in the education system, in the politics, and, and in the culture, but it seems to be few and far between. All right, right. And if we don't get younger generations to 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 kind of have a revival of sorts yeah. and realize that it does matter, mm -hmm. the choices you make they do matter. Yeah. Regardless if if you have an R or a D by yeah. your name, yeah, it doesn't matter if you have an R or a D. We just we just yeah. want good solid people. Right, Doctor Bob. Thank you so much for staying uh, with us. Another segment. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that. you're always very kind. It's always a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Morning Jam with Janet Rose and Mark Lamb.